0: Thank you all for being here today. It's great to be together to worship God. As Mark said, have everyone in their spots and have so many visitors with us this morning. Uh, You're an encouragement to us, and we're thankful for that. Appreciate everyone who's had a part in leading us in our worship this morning. Especially appreciated um, Grant for uh, taking time in his prayer to to mention the areas and thank God for the areas where he has answered our prayers. We need to take time to take an inventory. We focus a lot on things right in front of us. We ought to look back and look at all the answered prayers that God has answered for us and be thankful to him for that. Uh, So thankful for that. I appreciate that song, Ben, on letting the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. That's what we're about, isn't it? To follow our our master and to be like him and let his beauty be reflected in us as we live our lives every day. Thank you for that. Well, we serve an awesome God, and we need to never forget how incredible and amazing the God that we serve is. I think the devil would really like us to bring God down in our mindset, and to begin to think that he's not really all that special, in fact, he's really not all that much different than me, that God's just sort of a ordinary. That is absolutely not the case. This morning, I want to look with you at some of the characteristics that God possesses. There are three characteristics that God possesses that begin with the prefix omni, And omni means all. We use this omni prefix in some words that we use today that aren't religious words. We might call someone omnivorous or some creature omnivorous. That means that they eat all things. They'll eat everything. Back in the days when we used a lot of antennas, You might go to the store and buy an omnidirectional antenna. That might be so you could get a TV. You didn't get your TV over the Internet, kids. You had to get it through the air on an antenna. And you might get an omnidirectional antenna. That would receive a signal from all directions. Omnidirectional, all directions. There are some omni-words that describe God. And this morning, let's look at some of these. God is first omniscient. There's that omni-prefix. Connected with the word that means knowledge or knowing. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. The scriptures are very clear about the omniscience of God. In Psalm 147, verse 5. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. God's understanding is infinite. He is all-knowing. You know, we're really impressed with the Internet. You can go to the Internet and find lots of answers to almost any question that you can ask. But you know what? The Internet doesn't know everything. But God knows everything. God's understanding is infinite. Everything. God understands everything. And that gets down to a personal level, doesn't it? That means that God understands everything about me. God understands everything about me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says and there's no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We're able to cover up certain things about ourselves to other people. But God knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. His understanding about us is complete. He knows everything about us. You know there are Some things that we might think that we could hide, but God knows everything. There are a lot of kids who think that they can get away from their parents and do something that their parents will never know. Nobody will ever know, but God knows. There are a lot of adults who think that they can get away from their spouse or from their kids or from others, that they can do things and no one will ever know, but God knows. His understanding is infinite. All things are open with Him, and we are naked in His sight. We can't hide from anything from God. God knows all about us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. And by this we know that we are uh, of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows everything about us. He knows all things about us. You know, we might be able to keep our thoughts secret from others, but God knows all things. You may go home for lunch today, and you may have a dish that maybe your wife prepared that didn't exactly get the job done. Maybe it's a little burnt. Maybe it's missing something. And you might try and eat it and try and be real, you know, pleasant. But it's not all that good. Now, you're not going to lie about it and say it was great, honey, but you might just try and keep that from her. You don't keep anything from God. (laughs) God knows all things, God is omniscient. God is also omnipresent. That prefix omni, again, all present. He's present everywhere. God is everywhere. You know, cell phone coverage is a lot better than it used to be. Back in the early days of cell phones, some people probably don't understand what this was like in our audience, people today, but back in the early days of cell phones, it was more common to not have coverage than to have coverage. Many times throughout your day, you'd be somewhere, well, can't make a phone call here, won't be able to make a phone call. Now it's pretty rare, isn't it, that you get somewhere that you don't have cell phone coverage. We were in the Okefenokee Swamp a few weeks ago. And you could expect when you get it back in the swamp, you're not going to have cell phone coverage. But even then, it was a little bit shocking. Well, we we can't use a phone here. What if we get in trouble? Cell phone coverage used to be pretty spotty. God is not spotty in his coverage. God is everywhere. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27, after Solomon had built his impressive temple for God, Solomon, notice what he says about even his temple. He says this in 1 Kings chapter 8, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. All of everything you see can't contain God because God is everywhere. You can't go somewhere where God isn't. God can't be contained. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 24 says this, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? God is everywhere. You can't get away from him. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. And as a result, he's going to see us wherever we are because he's there. His eyes are everywhere. Proverbs chapter chapter 15 verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and on the good. God is omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. There's that omni word again, connected with potent or powerful. God is all-powerful. We like powerful things, don't we? If you go to the grocery store, there'll be an aisle of cleaning products. And those cleaning products will be advertising and touting their potency or their power. This is concentrated. It's really powerful. This cleaner will take anything off of anything. We probably bought some of those cleaners. And we probably found out that they weren't as powerful as they said they were going to be. And the men, we go to the home improvement store and we go into the tool section and we see tools that that advertise how powerful and strong they are. And we've probably bought those tools and they failed to get the job done or they broke. But not God. God is all powerful. He's omnipotent. Notice Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? And God isn't asking us to, well, let's see, can we figure it out? No, that's a rhetorical question. You don't even have to answer it. There's nothing too hard for God. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, it even says the word omnipotent. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah! for the God, um, Lord God omnipotent reigns. In the King James Version, it's the Lord God Almighty. He has all might. He can do anything. God can do whatever He wants, because He is all-powerful. Psalm 135, verse 5. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. Whatever God wants to do, he does because he has all power, all might. And as we get older, we start to think about things that we'd like to do, but we realize we can't do those things anymore. Not with God. Whatever God wants to do, He can do. Because God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. Amazing things about our God. But when we stop to think about those things, I want to tell you, those thoughts and those concepts can be very frightening to us. It can be very frightening to think about being, dealing with a God who's omniscient, who knows everything about me. A God is omnipresent, who's everywhere. His eyes are everywhere watching what I do. And He's omnipotent. A God that can punish me. A God who can do whatever He desires to do. I'm dealing with a God like that, and that can be very frightening. God knows everything about me. He's everywhere seeing everything I'm doing. And He can punish me in any way that He wishes. That's a frightening thought in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, that Joseph just read for us. I'll tell you, the sinner faces this grim reality that he's dealing with a God like the one we've been talking about this morning. And when the Hebrew writer concludes in Hebrews 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and amen to that. What a scary thing it is to fall into a hand, the hands of a God like that. Now, if a God was like any one of us, I could maybe deal with that. But we're dealing with our Almighty God. It's a fearful thing to fall into His hands. Luke chapter 12, verse 2, notice this. Luke chapter 12, verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whether, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, And what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you to whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. If you're not living like you should, you should absolutely be shaking in your boots about the day of reckoning that is coming. Having to answer to the God who has these three omni-characteristics that we've talked about this morning. Having to stand before him in the day of judgment should have you shaking in your boots. You don't win fights with God. You don't come out on the good end of the deal when you're dealing with a God like that. If you're not living like you should. And one of the passages I think that has caused fear maybe when you've heard it presented in sermons is, uh, Psalm 139, verse 7 beginning. Psalm 137, verse 9. Where can I go from your spirit? Well, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascended to heaven, you were there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Another passage that shows God's omnipresence. I want to tell you we absolutely should be afraid of God. And dealing with Him on the day of judgment, if we're not living like we should. Because of God's omniscience, because of His omnipresence, because of His omnipotence, we need to be afraid. But would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139, where that passage is from? Because I want to tell you this morning that Christians should not be afraid of the omnis of God that we've talked about this morning. In fact, when we look at the context of Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, Psalm 139 is an incredible comfort to us. The fact that we are serving a God who is omniscient, the fact that we're serving a God who is omnipresent, the fact that we're serving a God who is omnipotent is an incredible comfort and blessing to the person who's living a life that's righteous. Would you read Psalm 139 with me, please? Psalm 139, beginning of verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me, you know my setting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hedged me before and behind and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there, or if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to tell you the 139th Psalm is not a psalm intended to try and have us to be afraid. Psalm 139 is a comfort. And it's a comfort because of God's omni traits. Notice God's omniscience. Look at verse 1 again. Psalm 139 verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my setting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. The psalmist is not afraid about God's omniscience here, is he? The psalmist is comforted by the fact that God knows him. I'll tell you, God knows you. God knows you. You know, at times we can be convinced that no one knows what's going on with us. No one really knows the challenges that I'm facing. No one knows how hard it is for the things I'm going through. Nobody knows the concerns that I have. I'm the only one who has concerns like this. Nobody else cares. I have to deal with this alone. And nobody really knows about the fears that I have. Things I'm afraid of. Nobody knows or understands. We feel isolated. We feel like we have to go through it alone. We've got it all on our shoulders to bear, and nobody can help. I'm going to tell you, it's not so. God knows. God knows what's going on with us. He knows our challenges. He knows our concerns. He knows our fears. Our all-knowing, omniscient God knows what's going on with us. He knows about the personal struggles and challenges that we face. God knows. This is an omni of God that should not cause us to be afraid, should not fear us or scare us. This is a blessing, and this is a comfort that God knows us. Notice how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. You know, we need to pray to God. We need to let our petitions be known to God. That's a command. We need to do that. But I want to tell you, when we communicate our needs to God, it isn't like there's a light bulb going off in heaven. It's like, well, oh, I didn't know that He needed that. I wasn't aware that. She was concerned about that. No, God already knew it. Before we pray it, God already knew it. Husbands, have you ever been faced with a need that your wife had? Maybe she's getting ready for company and and stressed out, and, and you were doing something that was really inconsequential, and you didn't realize that your wife needed help? Makes you feel pretty small, doesn't it? God has never had a moment like that. God's never had a moment like that where one of his children needed something and he didn't know it. God knew it before we even asked. God's omniscience is a comfort to those who are living like they should. We need to take comfort in that. But I want to tell you, God's omnipresence is a comfort as well. Back in the 139th Psalm, beginning reading Verse 7. One 30, Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. You can't go someplace and be away from God's presence. And that, again, is not presented as something that should scare us. Instead, it's a comfort. You know, there's something unsettling about being alone in a time of need, isn't there? Have you ever been alone when you really were in a time of need? <coughs> many, many years ago, I was in some Alabama on business, and I had to spend the weekend there. And I got a hold of what I think must have been a bad sausage biscuit for breakfast on Sunday morning. And by Sunday night... I was as sick as a dog. I was sitting in worship service on Sunday night, and I had to leave. I was was so sick. And I got back to the hotel room, and I was sick for hours on end. And I was by myself. And being sick was bad enough, but I thought I was going to die there in a hotel room and that somebody would come in the next morning and find a dead body there. And I was going to do it all by myself. Being alone is a scary thing. I'll tell you, we're never alone. God is with us wherever we go. God is with us. This is comforting. God will be with us, it says, even if we're in the middle of the sea. Have you ever thought about being stuck on a boat floating around in the middle of the ocean? You know, we see the little funny cartoons about the guy sticking a message in the bottle. Have you ever thought about that? That's you? You're out there in the middle of the sea and there's nobody else. You're just on your little life raft and nobody can help you? The psalmist says, even there, God will be with you. God's omnipresence is an encouragement and a comfort. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, what, notice what God, God said to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why? Because God is omnipresent. You're not going to go somewhere where God isn't. You're not going to be somewhere where you're all by yourself and you're away from God. No, God will be with you wherever you go. And that is an encouragement and a blessing. God's omnis shouldn't scare us. God's omnipresence shouldn't scare us. Well, what about God's omnipotence? Is that something that should scare us? Not if we're living like we should. Back in the 139th Psalm, look at verse 13. Psalm 139, verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number in the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. I want to tell you, the fact that God made us in the womb should be enough a proof of his omnipotence, shouldn't it? The fact that a complex body like mine could be formed without hands in a mother's womb proves that I have an omnipotent God that I'm serving. And if God can do that, then surely he'll care for us, won't he? If God could do all of that, surely he'll provide for us and care for us. The psalmist was comforted by God's omnipotence, and we should be too. And I love what he says there at the end of verse 18. When I awake, I'm still with you. Have you ever gone to sleep at night thinking about the fact that you're in God's control, you're in God's care, that you're in his hands, much like a baby is when his mother or father is holding him? You're like that with God. You're with God. He's taking care of you. I believe David did that. Because he's comforted by thinking, when I awake, I'll still be with you. You'll be with me, God, and you'll take care of me. Your omnipotence. Look at verse 5 of Psalm 139. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And whose hand would you rather have on you than God's? God's omnipotence is not something that should scare us if we're living like we should. The 139th Psalm, I want to tell you, I believe impresses upon us the power of the God that we serve, but not in a way that should scare us, but in a way that should comfort us if we're living the way that we should. God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, God's omnipotence should be a comfort to those who are living like they should. But are they a comfort to you? God's omni-characteristics can be a great fear and could cause great terror if we're not living like we should. Two more passages from the 139th Psalm before we conclude this morning. Those are verses 23 and 24. The desire of the psalmist in the closing of this psalm needs to be our desire if we want to be comforted by the omni-traits of God. If we don't want to be scared by God's omnis, we need to have the same attitude that the psalmist had in Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If I want to be comforted by God's characteristics and his traits, I need to be willing to do what David did. I need to be willing to have God search my heart. I need to be willing to have God change me in whatever ways I need to be changed by submitting to his will And I need to be willing to be led in the way everlasting. I need to be willing to follow God in every aspect of my life so that I can enjoy the comforts of God's omnis. What about you this morning? When we talk about God's omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence, does that comfort you or does that scare you? By answering that question, I believe you can tell whether or not you're right with God. If any of those things scare you this morning, do they scare you because you're not yet a Christian? Because you haven't done what God says you need to do in order to be a Christian? Or if you're a Christian, but you realize you haven't been submitting to him in every aspect of your life, and that causes you some fear and some trepidation when you read about God's omni-traits. There's no better time than right now to make correction. If we can help you in any way, will you let us know while we stand and sing?